0: Hey, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Brand Builder Show. And this week's podcast is going to be a great episode all about getting your products into retail, big box stores, how you can develop another channel for your e commerce business in retail. And to talk through that exciting opportunity, we've got Maureen on the show today. Maureen, thanks for jumping on the podcast today.
1: Thank you for having me, Ben. Super excited to share my experience on all things retail and e commerce.
0: Yeah, now we're excited to dive into it as well. It's a a topic that we haven't talked about loads because we traditionally are so focused on you know e-commerce and selling online direct to consumer. But retail does present a really big opportunity. We've had a few guests on that have brands that are absolutely crushing it in retail. We've had a couple of the founders from Simple Modern on who are um, you know just crushing it in retail. I just saw they got a partnership with Dude Perfect the other day, so my wow. kids are just uh, overjoyed about that. Um, but they, you know brands like that. Are crushing it in retail. And I think often we think that as smaller, quote unquote, brands, um, you know, we maybe don't have as many opportunities. So I'd love to try and bust some of those myths, hopefully, uh, with you today and, and talk through uh, talk through that. Before we do, uh, give us a bit of a background about yourself. Tell us, uh, yeah, you've, you know, where you've come from in terms of your, your business experience and what's brought you to where you are today.
1: Got it. Absolutely. So happy to do that. So I typically usually say that my entrepreneurship journey started at the dinner table when I was 14 years old. So I grew up in Nairobi, Kenya, and both my mom and my dad are entrepreneurs. They literally own sort of like a hardware store. So if you're in the US listening to this, it's synonymous to a Home Depot. And they've done that for over 23 years. So as a child and all your parents are entrepreneurs, the only thing they talk about at the table is how to make money, how to stand out, and how to market. And so when we were growing up, my brother and I constantly wanted to have a different conversation on the table, but we never understood why it was never the case, especially when the markets in Kenya opened up, globalization became a thing, so everybody could actually go to China and source products. Mm-hmm. So we didn't know that that opening up of the market was an issue to my parents because the minute that happened, the sales began to tank, the business began to plateau. And at one point in time, I usually say this was the pivotal moment. My mom passed out when she lost everything in her business and it was a matter of what do I do and the only thing I've known how to do in business is just being an entrepreneur and sell products. And so for me, I really struggled because I just couldn't make sense like what's so hard about making money up until they hired a consultant and the consultant told them that you need to start branding yourself and you need to start finding a way on how you can stand out because anybody can sell what you're selling. And so that is what created a lot of curiosity for me and allowed me to pursue a master's in the U.S. And it's the reason why I came and I did a master's in business analytics. I did not know it was just marketing analytics at the University of Rochester. And that opened up doors for me where I got the opportunity to work for Nielsen, a market research company. I did a lot of predictive analytics, forecasting, brand strategy. And I was like, I kind of know the supplier side. Let me go to the manufacturer side where we make products, we build the brands, we do the marketing and do all the exciting stuff, get into retail. And that's when I moved to the supplier side and I got the opportunity to work with some of the most beloved American brands like Lay's, L'Oréal, Dove, Nivea, you name it. I've kind of done it I did, I done it all from strategy to communications. And to me, that's when I realized, I now know what makes the big brands, the big brands. And this information is not available for the small brands. And so I started dabbling with my parents' business. I noticed this thing kind of works. It's what led me to creating my company, started consulting that really focuses on teaching emerging um, e-commerce entrepreneurs, the sales and marketing strategies they need to turn their beloved product brands into a household name. So that's my story. So I would say my parents are literally the catalyst behind all
0: Yeah, amazing story. And it's amazing how, uh, you know, this is episode 80-something of of this podcast. And, you know, of the 80, uh, you know, entrepreneurs we've we've interviewed, how many of the founding stories come from challenge and adversity. And I think that's what I try to tell our Brand Building University community so much is that, The challenges we face, because there are many, and I uh, have to sort of uh, coach people through many of those challenges, That the the challenges that we face really do define us as entrepreneurs because uh, the the definition really of an entrepreneur is the ability to solve problems. Uh And so when challenges come our way, that's kind of the qualification for being an entrepreneur, which is not as glamorous as a lot of people make the entrepreneurial journey out to be, but it it comes with its challenges. So uh, hats off to you, uh, you know, for um, taking on that adversity and uh and, and creating an amazing sort of career out of it. And we get to learn from your experiences too today, which is amazing. And you mentioned their big brands, small brands. I think the first thing I really want to try and cover is the idea of retail selling to retail on a sort of a wholesale basis uh, is that a, a a tactic for only brands once they reach a certain huge size or can smaller brands participate what kind of level does a an e-commerce brand need to get to before they start considering the idea of going into retail
1: so that's a really great question and i have two answers to that i don't think there is a level that you need to be at in order to get into retail, I personally think retail is a personal choice. Yeah. And this is why I say this, because retail is an added channel. It's like being on e-commerce, it's like doing, um, if it's like selling on Etsy or selling in other people's platforms. Just, just for context, it's just another channel. For me, I usually tell people, do you have the resources to get into retail? And when I talk about having the resources to get in, getting into retail, I basically mean, do you have the finances? Mm -hmm. Can you fulfill a high purchase order? Do you have a community or a traffic building system that can drive people there? Because one thing I usually tell people is that retailers literally give you the shelf. Mm -hmm. That's all they give you. It's your job as a brand builder to figure out how are you going to drive traffic there. It's your job also as a CEO and a brand builder to figure out, Do you have money to incentivize people when they decide to do promotions? Because promotions is still an expense that you end up taking on. So for me, my feedback is always, do you have the resources? Do you feel like you have the investment? Do you have some backing? Do you have venture capitalists? Can you take it out from your profits in order to do this? And are you doing this as a long-term sustainable channel? Because to be honest, retail is not a quick fix. No. You cannot get in and say, I'll be there in one year and then choose to leave. No, it's a long-term game because it's a partnership. You're building a partnership with this channel and you're trying to find a way for both of you guys to make money.
0: Yeah. yeah. There's a lot to unpack there that you've yeah. already mentioned. And I yeah. think that it would be good to break down some of it sort of step by step. You... Um, uh, one of your expertise is, is getting brands quote-unquote retail ready, um, yeah. you know, ready for ready for retail. Um, I think the first thing with that, the first consideration you have mentioned there is financing. I think mm. a lot of people think that, uh, you know, if they get a, a big order from retail, it's going to transform their business. But as you've rightly said, it could be, challenge from a financial perspective. Uh, talk to us about those challenges. What, what do initial POs typically look like? Um, you, you know, and then what are those financial challenges that that can place on a, a startup?
1: So, what have, okay, so this is a good point because we literally, I had literally got a client into retail just two years ago. Mm-hmm. And when you're going into a buyer, really good buyers usually sort of do like a test case and yep. a test drive. Mm -hmm. And they determine the the PO size based on the demand data you've showed them ahead of time. Mm -hmm. So for this client of mine, they were already having some sort of success on the e-commerce platform. So when you look at the data, you could see some, like the highest they'd ever made was was like 150 units. Mm -hmm. So what happened with that buyer, they said, let me give you a few stores. So this were a few stores in the Detroit, Michigan area in the U.S., And her first PO was 150 units. And the beauty of that, when I talk about the financing is, depending on the retailer, we have certain retailers that will pay you within the first time you you supply. Other people will pay you within 30, 60, 90, 120. There are the people who will pay you after you've sold your products. just depends on what the agreement looks like. And so for this person, she was lucky that her PO was being paid 30 days after the product had been delivered. Mm-hmm. And so her job was to make sure that those five stores she had been given in Michigan, the product sold out. And so when the product sold out, the order now bumped up to one hundred to two hundred. Then it bumped up to two hundred and fifty. Then it became a nationwide conversation. That's mm-hmm. why the finances now became such a big deal because not only does she have to think about three pro three hundred products, she has to think about thirty thousand. 40,000 does she mm. have the money for that and that's when the investor conversations came in yeah so a lot of times it's, it's dependent on how much the buyer wants from you based on the data you've presented but yeah. also it's the your willingness like what can you do to, to start off with and can you prove out that you mm. have that demand
0: yeah. Does the journey often look like that with the test order? Would ever a big box retail come in and just place a, a, a big order initially without having to it? No, a lot order? of
1: times I would recommend a test order because also yeah. remember they're betting on you. Yeah. Right? They want Because this is a partnership. It's a relationship. Mm-hmm. They still have other people who still want that shelf space.
0: Yeah. So they
1: want to bet on you, see the success rate, and then continue for, from there. Because also they're also trying to see if they can – They are making money if they can maximise the productivity at shelf too.
0: Do you ever recommend a business try and launch with retail being their first channel?
1: Personal opinion, no. Mm. Why? Just you. For me, I'm all about scientific precision. Let the data inform the decisions that you make. Right. And so if you've had success in your e-commerce platform, you know, your profitability, you know, your customer size, you know, the promotions that make you money. Like you are so confident to sell to a buyer. If you don't have that kind of data, you're probably even going to be stumbling at the buyer meeting. And so you won't even have that confidence to make yourself stand out. And I also think it's a lot mentally to jump into retail from the get go. It's a lot mentally.
0: Mm-hmm. good okay so that's financing initial yeah. order once you get that initial order what are the um you know, how should you set up a contract are there any sort of pitfalls to be aware of um how can brand owners protect themselves is there any uh, you know big sort of negative things you see or, or kind of uh, shady tactics from big box retailers that are tried
1: i think for me what i would usually tell e-commerce entrepreneurs there's there's a lot on the legal side that I am not the lawyer that I don't know how to do that but I usually really tell them to r- look at like the promotional incentives like what's in it for them how much are they making because where people really get stumped is when it comes to getting the product to move really fast with driving the velocity so most people think that if i put the product on shelf it'll sell itself kind of like mm. build it and they'll come And then you realize, oh my God, nobody's coming. The only way to move this product is to actually discount it. So now this is where the question comes in. How much money are you making? If you discount, are you losing? If you're losing, is this really a worthy investment? Like that part is a part I have seen a lot of people don't look at. And that is what makes retail very expensive for an e-commerce entrepreneur. Like right now, I have clients who are very successful in retail and they're building their e-commerce platform. And often the main thing they tell me is that this is costly. I need my e-commerce platform to make it up for me. Mm -hmm. And you know why that is an issue? Like with every product-based entrepreneur, like you know this, there's a lot of seasonality right and people never think about seasonality ahead of time so what happens in your down months for the beauty space the down months tend to be in the summer time you will notice a lull in your e-commerce and you will notice a lull in the retail storefront and when there's a lull the retailers come and tell you we've got to incentivize we've got to promote you've got to promote do you have that money that's the only thing from a marketing standpoint that I usually tell people to make sure that they've baked in that prop, uh, promotional incentive into their mm. PL.
0: It's interesting because I, like many, I'm sure would have had the assumption that when you sell to retail, you sell your X amount of units and you're kind of like, okay, you might have wash my hands of that. You guys have got the units, you put them on your shelves, you'll sell them. I don't need to do anything, but you're talking about, you know, getting people in front of those products, strategies for that. That's, that's quite a unique thing I've heard, but you're saying that obviously needs to be done to maximize the opportunity. Yeah.
1: It's because it's, it's a partnership right yeah. it's because people forget people think you're just giving me the shelf no this this person is investing in you investing yeah. in your brand it's trusting yeah. you this is all human human conversation right and there's another person your competitor of the same shelf set that is also doing more to move their product especially now we are in a highly competitive market so you've got to think about How do I get my people? Which now brings me to the second thing that people also forget is positioning. And I know positioning is a word that is thrown out there and people really don't know what what exactly it means. For me, it's like, what is the idea that will unlock your customer's buying motivator? Why? Because somebody has a reason as to why they buy a product. Is that idea clear and compelling enough to drive that distinction? Yeah, yeah. Because what I've noticed is businesses and e-commerce brands try so hard to be different instead of spending time figuring out what is my distinction? Because the, your distinction is what influences your perception, which is that what influences the sales you make in your, in your brand. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. positioning work has to be done even before we talk about the financing it's like do you know the idea behind you do you know the idea that would unlock your customers by motivator yeah. that's yeah.
0: it yeah definitely what about when it's sits on the shelf how that you don't have obviously a huge amount of control over how it's presented from a shelving point of view but packaging is a consideration that yeah a lot of uh, e-commerce startups don't I-, I feel don't put enough time and energy into you know they think well mm-hmm. I'm just going to put it in a, a basic box because nobody sees the box before they yeah. order it right and, mm-hmm. and then we talk about maybe it enhances the customer experience when they receive the product, so it might help with reviews that's about the extent we'll go to maybe even oh if I do a nice box I can put it in the um, in the photos to help it sell whatever right but in, in retail packaging is obviously a whole nother consideration because they don't have a product listing page to be able to read. So, yeah. what are some of the mindset shifts and some of the key things that need to be considered with regards to packaging?
1: So, this is packaging is complex to entrepreneurs, but it's the easiest part of it. You know why? Depending on what category you are in, there are certain table stakes that have to be there in order for your product to stand out. That work has already been done by your competitors. You know what you need to do? Just walk into the retail store you want to get into, take a picture of your shelf set, and literally look at the similarities across all the products. You know why? If that product has been placed on shelf, it's past the buyer's vet, uh, it's been vetted by the buyer, so that means it works. So, what you need to do is identify how can I get my product to be closely similar to what's on shelf yeah. that already gives you a winning psychology or a winning strategy when it comes to packaging yeah. and then also those brands have already done a lot of customer work they've done a lot of customer psychology analysis you're already going to bake that into your packaging design mm-hmm. ahead of time yeah like it's such a simple strategy that people uh, forego or overlook but it's just as simple as that you want to be a target in the u.s Go to your category aisle, take yeah. a picture, look yeah. at what, what all the brands have, try and simulate. I'm not saying copy and paste, because mm, I yeah, personally yeah. believe all brands are unique. And then try your best to mirror that as much as possible.
0: Yeah.
1: Otherwise, yeah, you I, I, invest I great, hundreds yeah. and thousands of, re- of dollars into customer packaging mm. research, of which you probably don't have the big brands do that.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah, no definitely definitely let them do it and you can uh, learn from them for sure it's a great tip I mean, we just went to uh, Portugal on holiday and we spent um, a, a day in, in Porto in the city and uh, looking around clothes I'm working on a, a clothing like fashion project at the moment and um, like a startup one we're doing and I looked uh, we, we went kind of to, to some of the clothes shops and I found myself doing exactly that looking at the packaging looking at how they present things um, and there's so many little ideas and nuances that I just never would have considered because our ability to create from nothing you know is actually quite limited you know we need inspiration to be able to create something and so I think that's a great tip from the inspiration point of view Mm -hmm. and also I think from the information because we underestimate the amount of information maybe that needs to go on packaging um, in retail because again in e-commerce we don't need to give the information on the packaging as much right you do still need some but you know because the information is there on the product listing whereas in retail all you can rely on is is that right. packaging so um yeah that's some great tips for sure mm. um in terms of the getting started with uh, retailers what are some of the things that a brand needs to do really to get their foot in the door you know this all sounds great um, but I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of people screaming at me ben right how do I find out how do we actually get in contact with these people what's the first step where do we start with this whole process of getting in
1: so first things first is have your pitch deck i usually say like whether you are planning to get into retail or not planning to get into retail i strongly believe every brand should have a pitch deck and a pitch deck is basically um a deck that summarizes who you are what your sales have been what your competitive set looks like what is your distinctive uh factor what are the packaging elements that have to be what's your product photography like then once you do that it gives me the surety and the clarity that you can sell you can sell your brand because a lot of people are unable to articulate or sell their brand to somebody else and then really now start thinking about trade shows and expos that you can attend so for example there's one that usually that there's one big event where you have a lot of buyers it's usually the Expo West or Expo East attend those trade shows go and sell your product to buyers have those conversations because that's where you meet a lot of these buyers and also the manufacturers like you'll find a lot of manufacturers attending because they really want to look at what's a new innovation in market that's even where small businesses start getting bought if you're thinking about acquisition you'll probably find a manufacturer who's willing to acquire you but you sort of have to present yourself at those trade shows and those events I know what people try to do is stalk a buyer, send them a message on LinkedIn. That rarely works. You know why? First of all, also the thing with buyers that try to rotate a lot internally just because of biases and that's not something internally the organizations want to deal with. So if you're constantly sending a message on LinkedIn, how many other people are doing that? Your message will get overlooked and I don't even think a buyer wants to use their LinkedIn profile to get somebody to to sell themselves. So I say find vendor events, vendor meetings locally in your region. If you really want to come to the US and you're in the UK, find big ones like Expo East, Expo West. Attend those because that gives you, it opens your eyes as to what vendors are looking for and gives you a chance to pitch yourself to them and you never know where that conversation could go to.
0: Yeah. Once you do begin those conversations, the... Vendors, the retail uh, companies will undoubtedly ask, well, what price are you offering your product? You talked earlier about discounts, um, you know, being part of the the game and margins, etc. What are some of the pricing considerations when you pitch and offer a price to retail? If someone has, for example, a classic example in e-commerce, a product that retails on Amazon or their store for $30, uh, they source it for, say, $6, it's a dollar of shipping. Uh, Those are the kind of numbers you you might be working with. What then do you present to, to retail? Because you obviously need to give them margin, but you need some margin uh, do you have like a formula that works all that out or how do you approach that
1: my how i approach that is i typically ask people to have their wholesale price and their retail price but then also remember with retailers some of them have their own strategy they'll tell you some people will do a 60 40 split Mm -hmm. others will do a 70 30 split it varies by retail but when when i'm talking to people i'm usually like make sure you have your wholesale price at the back of your mind Mm-hmm. Because that is what you're going to sell the, the retail. Uh, that's what you're going to pitch to the retailer with. Mm-hmm. Because, And that's another mistake I notice a lot of entrepreneurs make is they don't, they don't have pricing strategies that can cut across all channels. A lot of people just think e-commerce or retail. And so they forget to think about if I was to do wholesale, what's my wholesale price? So before you even go and pitch, ask yourself, do I have a pricing strategy for different channels? If you do well and good. So if you're pitching to a buyer, you're probably going to go at your wholesale price. But then also a caveat here. There's some splits that they will ask you for. So it's your job to figure out, can you pull this?
0: Yeah.
1: It's not a one size fits all when it comes to pricing.
0: Yeah. Also, the
1: margins are different. Yeah, go ahead
0: yeah i was just going to say i think it is worth noting the difference on the margins because you know, with, with wholesale to, to retail you don't have your your advertising costs you don't have your fulfillment costs yeah. you know there's a lot of costs that are taken out and so yeah. a lot of the times you can sell at 50 to 60 percent of your retail price to wholesale but still you know make good sort of 30 percent or more margins yeah. on that and people think well if i'm selling at half price how do i make those margins well but because of those facts you are selling a bulk load of goods that you deliver at one time to someone and not only can you achieve those margins actually it can be great for cash flow it can yes. be challenging for cash flow when you need to produce the first amount but um then you know you if you've got a good term set up like you said net 30 days you can um you know get paid 30 days after all of the goods are delivered whereas that order might take you two three four months to sell through d2c or, or, or amazon so it can be uh you know a blessing and a curse for cash flow can't it
1: exactly yep
0: Definitely, cool. Okay, so um, in terms of uh, you know your experiences, have you got any sort of like real world examples? Um, you know, maybe off clients or case studies. Obviously, don't have to give sort of uh, details about the brands, but just I suppose just looking to finish up the episode by inspiring e-commerce brands about the journey of say some you know six seven figure uh, e-commerce mm-hmm. brands that then pivoted into retail as well, and the kind of the benefit that had for their business. Is or anything like that that you can yes share actually we all? can
1: talk about the earlier on I was talking about a client who got a mm-hmm. uh, purchase order of a hundred. So, yeah. when she was getting into retail, she didn't even have a lot of success in e-commerce. Yeah. She was just about a five figure brand. We're talking about fifty thousand annually. That's the most she had done with umbrellas. Yeah, yeah, but luckily, she attended like what what I was telling you vendor meeting that was being hosted by the chamber of commerce in her local, her, her local state. And mm-hmm. she built a great relationship. She was ready with her peach deck because she knew her brand really well. And she got that opportunity and that pushed her brand to like multi six figure within a year. Mm-hmm. So this just goes to show you that if, if you mentally are ready, cause for her, she was like Maureen and I'm telling you, she's like, she she was 68 years old. Wow. And she was like, I don't have the energy to sort of compete with the whole online space. Like you probably know online is getting crazy with yeah. the videos and the UGC content. And she was yeah. like, Maureen, I'm 68 years old. I kind of just want <laughs> something that I want to retire, just easy, easy into it. And that's why she jumped into it. She jumped into retail, got that great conversation with the buyer, started off at 100 grew up 150, 200 is now in multiple stores. But I can tell you one thing. The minute she got that order, she was going to that store every single day to sell. Amazing. Because she could not invest in shelf talkers. She could not invest in in aisle shelf display. She was the person in store. So you can imagine a sixty-eight year old lady selling her product. So her velocities did really, really well. And she was like, so she sent me a message the other day. She was like, Maureen, I'm on track to being a millionaire. I Couldn't have done this. And for her, that was exciting because like you mentioned before, it's one huge order. You ship it, you go, and you kind of don't have to scramble with this. One sale from your e-commerce, running after UGC content. And she's been doing really well just through the partnership. But let me tell you, she works hard. Mm -hmm. Because I told you, she shows up at every store. She's always doing activations, traveling across the U.S., just to make sure her product is top of mind across people. Yeah. yeah.
0: Amazing. Amazing. No, that's really, really helpful and very inspiring for a lot of our listeners, uh, I'm sure. Is there anything that I have not asked you that you think it would be good to mention on the topic?
1: No, I think we've covered it all. I think retail yeah. retail is a very specific topic, but it's also mm. it's also a really good top uh, segment or a good channel to get into if you feel like you've you've maxed out your e-commerce and you want something incremental i would no hesitations on retail absolutely love it but just be prepared that's all i say
0: yeah absolutely Uh, and obviously you've got a lot of experience with this you have uh, clients that you work with on this basis if someone wants to learn more and reach out and potentially you know work with yourself where can they find out more information about you
1: the best, the best place, you can go to my website, but I usually recommend people go into my podcast. It's called the Product Entrepreneur Podcast. It's on all platforms, Spotify, Apple. It's also on YouTube. That, that's where you can get a lot of insights. And from that podcast, you can go to my website, which is www.startwardconsulting.com. S-T-A-R-T-W-A-R-D consulting.com.
0: Amazing. Well, we'll Mm -hmm. include the links to those resources in the show notes and the description, of course. Uh, Maureen, this has been super insightful, very, very helpful. And uh, we really appreciate you taking the time out to come on the show.
1: Thank you for having me. Loved having this conversation.
0: Our pleasure. Our pleasure. Well, there we go, folks. So that is uh, an overview of how to get your products in retail. I hope that you've found this uh, very useful. I know there was uh, lots that I've learned and uh, I know that there will be some great stories coming out of people taking action on the tips from this episode. If you have liked it, please do us a favor by, uh, and like, share, subscribe, all that good stuff. And uh, we'll see you in the next episode, same time next week. Take care.